Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I am Scott Needham, the host. I have been selling on Amazon for seven plus years, actually looking at eight now. And um, with a lot of experience, I've uh, come across a lot of very interesting people, well, experts who have also really uh, shaken up the space. And so I'm trying to um, help you, the audience, uh, just uncover secrets that you need to know to help your business uh, do better this time. So I have with me today, Paul Raffleson, who uh, started the Online Merchants Guild several years ago. And I was, I've been aware of this for a while. He's, he's a lawyer who um, really saw a need for you know, some banding together uh, of a voice of sellers. Um, Paul, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. So you're totally right. Every single Amazon seller, they get really serious when, you know, they talk about Amazon policies because, I mean, it's our businesses on the line and we, it doesn't feel like we have a voice that often that, uh, you know, a big company like Amazon listens to or, or even, uh, you know, the, the lawmakers out there. So tell me a little bit more about the online merchants guild that you started, um, where it's been and, uh, like what, like there's a lot of, uh, energy going on right now. Yeah. A ton of energy. We're, we're taking on some cool stuff, uh, interesting things, um, trying to fight for sellers, but yeah. So the online merchants guild is a, it's a, it's a trade association where not technically a nonprofit yet, but we're filing the application for 501c6 status, which is a nonprofit trade association, is due actually on the 19th of May. So I'm working on filing that. Um, but basically, it's it's the idea that you know I took from you know, being a corporate lawyer for 15 years and working inside some really large companies like Microsoft and Walmart and GE um, that you know when there's an issue of of common need among an industry. You know, you 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 usually you form an association, and, and and those associations can then kind of take those on. So you know, a couple of years ago, Chicago tried to tax uh, soda soda, and you know, you didn't have Coke or Pepsi sort of challenging the city of Chicago. What you had was Coke, Pepsi, Starbucks, and a number of other beverage companies getting together because they have this common interest. This tax is bad for all of us we're going to go and file a legal challenge and they actually lost that legal challenge, but then they successfully lobbied together to get the law changed. So, and that's what we do with online merchants. We, we, we lobby and we take on legal cases that we think are affect enough of our members to where we think it requires, you know, a broader solution where we can sort of step in and be, you know, sort of representative of the collective group of members and say, this is an interest, this affects our members. And so we're challenging this law. We're lobbying for this particular result. And we can talk about some of the things we've done uh, in the past that's, that have been helpful. Um, but, you know, that was a need that I thought was always strange. Like when I first, you know, I was an Amazon seller, on, you know, 15, 16 years ago. I was a retail arbitrage kid paying for law school doing retail arbitrage. Um, didn't even think how big this Amazon thing would, would become and kind of went away from it. And um a little bit about my history is I, my wife used to work for Seller Performance uh, back in like 08, just kind of one of the original Seller Performance people and, and a colleague of hers uh, went on to be a consultant and asked me to write a blog post and 
that blog post sort of morphed into a law practice. It snowballed into my private law practice uh, with my partner, Jeff Schick, who's also in a seven-figure, still currently a seven-figure Amazon seller, um, and, you know, who handles our sort of our suspension practice. And um, basically, you know, we kind of have been practicing Amazon law, but kind of around the same time as I was kind of getting into the industry and kind of meeting everybody, I was always kind of wondering, why, why are we not organized as a group to take on, you know, the government, you know, when they're trying to impose these illegal taxes that are not applicable to us, like the sales taxes, um, or, you know, Amazon itself, you know, why, why are we so helpless against Amazon every time? And, you know, and so for the last, you know, two and a half years, you know, aside from my day job of being a lawyer, I, I do this as a volunteer effort to try to get sellers to kind of get organized, commit, you know, funds to the organization, which, you know, are pretty much sitting there for moments like, the one we're facing now, moments like tax, um, those issues where we can then deploy um, our resources collectively to take on those kinds of issues. Yeah, and, the, and, I mean the the audience that you're trying to reach is actually really large. There are so many uh, small businesses out there that have uh, a foot in the door, or maybe their entire business in Amazon. And so I bet you, you know, whatever the size of the online merchants guild is, uh, it probably hasn't reached like, like there are so many people and there's no reason that these sellers should not have a voice at the table. And uh, th that's what the online merchants guild is about is to advocate for us. And, you know, you, I, I, I think I first became aware of, you know, some of the sales tax, um, uh, lawsuits that were were happening regarding you know California really uh, really uh, making it hard to do business and yes. um, right now you have uh, just recently just submitted another lawsuit uh, you know trying to essentially even the playing field for uh, Amazon sellers tell me a little bit more about that yeah so um and I'll, I'll just quickly recap because I want to stress the importance of some things we have done before I kind of lead into what we're doing. But you're right. We we were on the front lines. We were, you know, we brought a lawsuit or sort of were about to bring a lawsuit that we threatened to the state of California. And that lawsuit led to the introduction of AB 147, which was the marketplace facilitator bill. And as they say in tax, as goes California, goes the nation sort of, you know, um, we started to see this sort of the chain reaction. And we're certainly doing our part to sort of put pressure on states elsewhere to change their laws. So now we're at 39 states that have a marketplace facilitator law and the one notable exception being Florida, um, unfortunately, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I consider it mission accomplished. I, I don't think we're worrying about sales tax compliance anymore. No, on it's, Amazon. it's, it's a huge benefit for me as a seller to like, you know, if I were to say start another business, I don't have to figure out the sales tax issue again and like register in right. other states and worry. Like I really did worry that, you know, we've done, you know, a few million dollars in sales in like say Pennsylvania over the years and that they would just like try and collect on all of that retroactively. So I'm really happy with where, you know, the direction. Yeah. And we're still fighting the retroactive and we have a, you know, we still did end up filing a lawsuit. Um, I actually filed that through my firm and two other law firms, but, you know, um, you know, the goal is there, you know, it's to hold Amazon accountable for the back taxes, which, you know, in part obviously proves who truly owes the back taxes. 
Um, and, but we still have plenty of these cases out there in California for back taxes. And, you know, people got advice from software companies, which I don't really understand that. Um, uh, but Hey, they made it sound easy and simple and sort of, you know, I, I get why it happened. I feel bad if a lot of people did it because it seems like those are the people who are getting at the worst. Um, the ones who kind of listen to the software companies. Um, and then, but that's the way it was. And, and so we're still dealing with it a little bit in California, Washington, Massachusetts, but it's definitely fizzled out. You know, the threat of, you know, there was that amnesty threat where you had to register in 25 states to get some tax forgiveness. And, but you, you now you're registered and, you know, I think that's all gone and that's good. And then from AB 147, we are actually able to push for another bill that people don't really actually know a lot about. It's called AB 1790. And that was actually the first of its kind seller protection law. Um, you know, we had our lobbyists engaged on the ground. We thought, okay, let's go with it. You know, we, we, we were working um, with a different assemblywoman. And that law was very much based on what the European sort of marketplace law was that was kind of uh, been proposed uh, at the time. Uh, you know, one of the representatives in California wanted to bring that. And, you know, what that law basically did, and, and very few people will give us credit for this, but I'm, I'm going to take the credit because I want people to understand what we're capable of. The more members we have, the more resources we have. It's, that's all it is. Um, it was the 72-hour warnings. Like the, the fact that your suspensions now, a lot of times when you will get a 72-hour warning, that was because of a law that we introduced. Amazon knew it was going to pass. Um, the question was, you know, what specific terms were and weren't going to make it into the final. But, you know, they knew certain aspects of it were, and that was one of them. And, and so, you know, I definitely want to take credit for, for, you know, at least getting that 72 hour thing and also getting the first of its kind sort of seller, you know, protection law in place. And, and really, you know, is it perfect? By no means is it perfect. It, it's got a lot of flaws, but, you know, so that wasn't the point. We were, just, we, so my company, Buyboxer, actually, I mean, we're coming out of suspension. Uh, we were given a 72 hour review um, and we were able to, you know, put together a good plan of action. It wasn't accepted, but I still feel happy that I got 72 hours, you know, that yeah. we had a window, we saw things coming and um, it still hurt <laughs> when it happened. But um, fortunately, I, I may go into this more in another podcast episode, but like we, we, we got back up and so we're, we're sitting all right, but it was, you know, it feels like uh, Amazon is particularly arbitrary with price gouging right now. And yes. in the notices that get sent and how it's enforced, what products, it, it, honestly, it's, uh, we're, are we guilty of certain definitions of price gouging? Yeah, probably. Uh, no, I, I would argue no, but I okay, well, about that. we have 60,000 products. And what I'm saying is like, I, I, I can't, um, I can't speak with certainty across, you know, everything at, at all times. And, um, but what does seem arbitrary is the way that, um, Amazon enforces it, but you say, no, tell me more. So, yeah. So you know, we'll, we'll, as we kind of move into the, what we recently filed, there's a lot of problems with the way price gouging is being enforced in, uh, you know, via Amazon. You know, for one is, you know, it has a lot of overlap with sales tax. Uh, you know, there's, um, you know, how how can you be subject to a price gouging law that is sort of, you know, impossible to comply with? Because, you know, realistically, the states aren't saying that, you know, you might be price gouging in in the eyes of one state, but look at the way it, the way you are at Amazon, right? We set one price. That's a national market price. Okay. Uh -huh. That's it. 
So I like to use hurricanes because COVID is such a, you know, topic that, of, 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 you know, conversation right now. It's like, what's the word I'm looking for? But it's, it's, it's such a polarizing topic. Uh, you know, imagine, imagine you sell hammers for, you know, $25 on Amazon. Uh, you know, you just bought them and you were listing them. And the next thing you know, you, hurricane comes. And that $25 hammer is now considered price gouging under Florida law because they've instituted a state of emergency. And, and that's fine. But in reality, that $25 price you're charging for your hammer is actually a market price in 49 other states because people on Amazon pay more for stuff and have no problem. In fact, most of your customers buying the hammers, except for one or two incidental uh, uh, sales that, to, to Florida customers through Amazon store, uh, you know, are going to 49 other states. When that price gouging law, you know, sort of gets applied, though, you know, even if you have no sales to, to Florida customers, right, they can say, well, you advertise the price, that's price gouging. Um, it, it has an unconstitutional effect. It's what we call extraterritoriality. Um, because their law, which is really meant to be only applicable to Florida, is now preventing you from participating in the interstate market, right? Like you can't, you can't sell. Like your two choices are to either sell your product at a loss on Amazon so you can comply with the Florida law, right? And then all the other people, you know, or, or don't participate. That's not really a choice, right? In other words, you don't have that ability to set the price of Florida only or tell Amazon, this is not meant for Florida because this Florida is currently under a state of emergency. Please don't sell to Florida, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. without that ability, um, you know, one, to us, it's, we're saying, hey, that really does put the, the liability for price gouging on Amazon, meaning that, you know, it can't just be Amazon suspends you after the fact. Amazon actually has to prevent the price gouging to the extent, to the extent that it's even possible. It's on them. And the way they could do that is to be transparent and upfront about what is acceptable pricing or how you prove price. And, and those are all things like, you know, when we have to show invoices, maybe you have to declare your costs. And we've had to deal with that actually in suspensions. Um, sometimes actually explain, you know, cost increases and things like that. But, you know, Amazon is certainly in the position to sort of be subject to the state regulation uh, that that would require a price gouging. Well, the other thing is, is Amazon a market price? You know, you know, there's a question of law there. Now, we're not going there in our lawsuit because we're trying to narrowly uh, tailor the lawsuit. I should probably introduce what the lawsuit's a little bit more about in case I think people have already figured it out. But um, you know, we're not necessarily going into kind of, you know, Amazon represents the marketplace too heavily because we're not trying to take away the state's right to enforce price gouging. We're trying to say is while we recognize the need, right? Like if my house blows down after a hurricane and I go to the 7-Eleven around the corner and they want $300 now for a bottle of water and the Holiday Inn wants $10,000 for me to stay the night, to allow me to stay the night, that's a problem. Like we understand that, that that's a problem and, and states certainly have a right to do that. But, you know, in this, this context of a national emergency, um, where prices really have gone up. I mean, that's the thing. It's like prices are going up. Things yeah. are more expensive. Um, you know, we just think these laws have, have gotten a little bit out of control. And, and we're not going so far as to say that they cannot be enforced, but we're just saying that to the extent they can be enforced, like sales tax, the burden is on Amazon. You know, they're the store, right? They have all the power and control. And, and, and certainly price is no exception. And we've all been victims of pricing errors, quote unquote, where Amazon has... Uh, basically controlled the price of it, you know, told you you can't sell it because it's too high because, you know, you're selling it for less on eBay or some nonsense, but we know that they can do that, those types of things. So, you know, there, there are more, there are better ways, but, but for so long as Amazon is allowed to sort of, you know, sort, sort of like, you know, with counterfeit or, or anything else or, or, or copyright violations where it's sort of the, the, the standard practices, I'm not liable so long as I take appropriate remedial action, it's always going to be this sort of arbitrariness, right? 
when the law is no, you are responsible for ensuring price gouging isn't happening on your site, you know, and if it does happen, you are responsible, not the supplier or AKA seller. Um, then, it, then they, then they have no choice, but to be, you know, not arbitrary, it actually be transparent. And that's kind of what we're pushing for is that, you know, the, the, the legality of things, right. They're in the best position to basically interpolate all the 50 States worth of price gouging laws and translate that into, you know, easy to understand information for you. And that's going to affect your decision-making and that's going to affect, you know, how do you, you know, to the extent it's you're sourcing products, it's going to influence what you source to the extent you can establish your costs. They certainly have yep. an internal review teams that can review those costs and say that, you know, as long as they recently relied on a cost, uh, on a uh, cost estimate provided by the seller, then that, that price was deemed valid. Um, right. You know, there's all these things that can be done that they're in the best position to do. They're the world's largest online store, 50% of e-commerce. Um, we're not putting that burden on small small businesses because it, yeah, it's just insane. What you're going over, like, it's kind of a pattern of Amazon to push the burden onto their sellers. Yes, uh, scapegoat. We call it scapegoating. We, we basically say Amazon has no problem profiting off of $700 toilet paper, taking their 15% seller fulfilled or 45% cut if it's FBA or, you know, all in, right? They have no problem with that because they know they have the scapegoat and the states will buy it every time. And, and it's much like sales tax. It's the same excuse, right? Yep. It's like the states are just so politically, you know, basically tied by Amazon's tentacles because Amazon's always bringing in jobs and warehouses and this and that. And so or, states mean, don't want to do anything to Amazon. Yeah, no, they, they absolutely want to be negotiating with Amazon and then they'll pick on, you know, the small sellers. And you, you're also right. I mean, like I, I can't, it's, it's so arbitrary, like why a product in this instance is price gouging, even though we're selling it like $6 and another instance, like it's not, I, um, it's really just not fair when they're like, oh, you need to be checking against competitor websites. Okay, which websites? And when did the competitor acquire their product? Right? When did they right. did they acquire it? You know, is this old inventory they've been sitting on for two years, or did, you know, because your replacement cost is consideration in in a in a price gouging? You know, I, I don't even know this. Like in California right now, it's insane. It's a consumer goods very broadly defined. If you yep. sell a consumer good in California for ten percent more than its pre COVID price, you're presumed guilty of price gouging, a criminal violation, not a civil criminal. Uh, okay. Uh, so imagine running your business thinking that you're, you're, you know, the concept of guilty until proven innocent. Like I think people generally know that phrase, right? It's about burden of proof, but the state has to prove your guilt in a, in a criminal matter before, you know, you don't have to prove your innocence. The state has the burden of first proving your guilt. Right. Yep. Um, and, and so here guilt is established by mere uh, establishment that you're selling something for 10% more than a pre COVID price. So you really are operating under, you know, if you want to make any money and not completely lose money, a lot of people now are basically operating under a presumption of guilt in, under this new California law, right. uh, which is not a way to do business. It's certainly and not going to encourage you to want to sell stuff. I mean, I, I know a lot of uh, sellers myself, like I know that like across the board, we're not particularly um, uh, like, it's not like our profits are just like crazy. Like we run 25% gross margin. That yeah. is, um, you know, in old retail world, that's actually kind of small where like 50% used to be kind of like the keystone. Whereas, you know, online, you know, things do run a slimmer margins. Um, and, and even now we're not like, I, I know by design, we don't just like go for the highest price that we possibly can because we actually want stuff to move. 
uh, right. for many of the reasons. And um, and then it's it's like the state's enforcements or Amazon's like arbitrary enforcements that put our business in unnecessary burden. I mean, how many hours last week did I lose uh, in, you know, kind of playing defense? And um, part of that defense actually was, is what led me to reach out to Paul again. Uh, as, you know, the Online Merchants Guild seeing that they are uh, taking this uh, very seriously. I actually, um, you know, for our business, uh, made a donation to Appreciate the Online Merchants Guild just because I, I, I knew that I wanted my money to, to at least have a voice uh, even if it's a, a you know not a huge donation, but like I, I just want to be a part of uh, things moving forward. Um, what is right now? What is your uh, immediate worries, Paul? Or like like what are you trying to 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 get past that? You know that you think the the community can coalesce around. Right. So, I mean, my worry is always just for the. A future of the of the guild itself. I mean that that's the thing. You know, it, it's a volunteer project. I do. It's it's separate from my law firm. When I when I perform legal work on behalf of the guild, I don't charge the guild right. for it. It's not like some you know sort of funnel between my law firm and the guild. It's just you know I have to make a living. I have a law practice. We do all sorts of cool stuff. Um, we actually just launched an awesome suspension program called Seller Basics, which I'm going to plug because by the way we were oh, charging, no, for sure. so we were charging seven fifty. $700 for our members, which is $99 a month to be a member. And, and one of the benefits of the members, anytime you have a question for me or Jeff on the lawyers, or if it needs to be a specialized lawyer, you know, depending on the situation, it's, it's a free 15 minute call anytime just to run something by us, you know, whether it's a scary letter or like, Hey, I'm thinking about, you know, I want to make sure my LLC actually protects my assets or what, whatever that is that's included. But then as a part of it, it's sort of like an insurance thing or like, you know, why are people charging like three, four or $5,000 for these suspensions, like we'll just charge 750 and figure, you know, a good percentage of them will be pretty easy and straightforward because, you know, first round of suspension, usually we use it, it's pretty templated. And then, you know, a percentage of those then become more complicated and require customization. But, you know, why charge everybody as if you're going to act like, and, and, you know, our suspensions covers all the whole thing, you know, all the way to the Jeff email, if you have to, we don't, we don't do like, oh, first round is this much and second round is that much and third round, you know, it's just one price right. to pay. And, and so it sort of is kind of like an insurance model that our members, you know, who, who use seller basics, you get substantial discounts on things like our IP suspensions. When you're selling other brands that you're not authorized, we charge $149 to go after the council for whoever reported you for an authorized counter, you know, falsely made a counterfeit complaint. We'll, we'll go after them for 149 bucks. And we, we love doing it and I love the program. So I, I, I want to plug it, but it's also what keeps me in the game and allows me to do volunteer stuff. No, that's awesome. So, um, uh, I, I actually think that it actually elevates the marketplace um, and makes seller a business more valuable, knowing that, you know, if legal issues come up, there's resources. Yeah. Like it's not, it's ex people think lawyers are expensive and it can be, but you know, what I try to do in my practice, like with all my clients who are, have subpoenas. So like I kind of took on all the subpoena clients, all the people who got government subpoenas, like we've got probably 10 states in the working I'm working on right now. Right. I've been taking it. My partner, he's the Amazon seller. He does a suspension side. Right. What I recognized and, and why this became an OMG issue is because what I was starting to recognize is like, okay, what this is, this is very unconstitutional, but like our clients, like they're not ready to in, in, endure like 30, 40, $50,000 worth of legal costs to fight a, you know, constitutional yeah. challenge of price gouging. 
But enough of our members like are facing this and have reached out to us and we've heard a lot from it. And we've raised a lot of money from groups who've asked us to take this on, even if they weren't members before, that they've contributed tremendously to kind of like make sure that, you know, the funds that we've allocated towards the tax fight will stay to the tax fight. We now have this new pool of funds that we can allocate towards the price gouging lawsuits, you know, that we need to bring. And we can do that better. We can do it efficiently. We can do it for everybody. And no one person has to put their name out there. It's it's us. You know, it's not it's not you. You don't have to put your name in and worry that you, people are going to, you know, governments can retaliate. Amazon's going to retaliate. They don't know who you are. It's just us, the OMG. Um, and so it's a great concept, but it's something that, you know, in my law practice, like I'm very averse to litigation because we know how expensive it is. We know that our clients are small businesses and, you know, they need to, you know, it needs to be affordable and practical. And, yeah. uh, but the, but the issues aren't, you know, what a local lawyer can understand. Like I come from a world of interstate commerce. Like it's those principles that we saw in tax aren't tax principles. Those are constitutional law principles. And I love this, what I love. And, uh, um, it's, why I, I practice where I practice for so many years, and and those issues pop up in everything we deal with uh, as Amazon sellers. And so, you know, our firm, you know, while those are issues that typically get, get handled, you know, big corporations have to deal with it, and they can hire big, expensive lawyers. We were, I sort of took the model and tried to convert it into something that could be affordable and accessible for Amazon sellers, because for the first time in our history, small businesses now need to be cognizant of the Commerce Clause and the Due Process Clause, and and just doing business in interstate commerce or dealing with prop 65 in California when you're in Tennessee. I mean, what, what, what is the implication there? And it's beyond um, what people typically, what your typical local lawyer would think of, you know, I always say, you know, starting an Amazon business when you're, when you're working with a local lawyer um, who's helping you start your Amazon business, oftentimes it doesn't recognize that it's very different than, than opening up a tea shop in town. And it's not to, to harp on local lawyers, but it's just, what is their training? Their training is, you know, very localized to your neighborhood. Right. To what are the issues that you face in your neighborhood, not to being a business in that's that's, you know, shipping goods to 50 states. Right. Or overseas. So that, that's kind of what we do. Sorry, I'm done with my plug, but sellerbasics.com. No, absolutely. Like, like I people need to be aware of like resources that they have. And, you know, um, it's, it's good to hear that, you know, you can get a lawyer uh, at an affordable rate. You know, we are all small businesses. I uh still operating that mentality uh, all the time. It, it's super helpful. Um, and like I said, like, I think it makes my business more valuable knowing that I have a legal resource because Amazon is arbitrary with price gouging. They're arbitrary with other things. And you don't always get the attention that something is worth. You know, something to us may be like, say you you are doing, you know, $50,000 to $100,000 a month in sales, like on just a single ASIN, that is everything to your business. And absolutely into Amazon that gets stuck in, uh, you know, a queue um, or uh, some low employee can make a judgment based off of a standard operating procedure. That's just like not uh, sufficient. Um so very, very relevant and interesting. Um, I just yes. want to hear a little bit like of this lawsuit uh, that uh, you're putting together. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so the lawsuit's really interesting. It, 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 so, so again, you know, we were getting contacted like crazy by our you know clients, by OMG members. You know, we were starting to get the subpoenas coming in. And, you know, it's just kind of like tax. Like I just started thinking about it and just, you know, Kind of running the scenarios, you know, jump on a Westlaw, start doing some research, and just looking for 
quirky cases and, you know, found some really, really good and recent case law kind of supporting my hunch that this was problematic, the way it was being applied. Um, great litigator, uh, uh, actually is based in, uh, based in Georgia named Aaron Block. Um, he was a partner at a big law firm and, uh, um, you know, really, really savvy on the con law stuff and kind of knows how to do trade association challenge, you know, knows the kind of things we're looking for. Um, you know, got with him and, uh, you know, came up with a game plan. It's like, you know, can we challenge this? And, and we really felt comfortable. Yeah, we can, there's really a problem here. And, um, uh, so off to work we went and, you know, like I was saying before, like when I do this work, you know, for me, I get, I get my own reward. Like the OMG is a passion project. OMG is, so I don't know. I, I just love the work. I love the issues because, because e-commerce is so misunderstood in Congress, right? Like, I mean, anything internet, right? Like we saw Mark Zuckerberg get asked a couple of years ago, uh, you know, how do you make money when you don't charge your customers? Right. I mean, that to me was like the perfect, like, video for like why OMG needs to exist because the only people explaining how Amazon works to Congress right now is, is Amazon, Amazon? And, and eBay, right? Like those companies, right. right? And it's very skewed. And so I was down and I was actually testified, I didn't testify, but we helped set up a, a congressional hearing on sales tax because the issue now is, you know, people who want to be on Shopify have sales tax issues, um, whereas they don't on Amazon. So it's about Amazon reliance huh. um, and Congress sort of like stepping into to sort of make people make, you know, Amazon sort of lobbying to make sales tax complicated off of Amazon sort of deter you from selling on Shopify. Um, I don't know if you know that, but that's kind of what their game plan is now, sort of the new way to use this competitive advantage. And so we were down Congress, we had some, you know, small businesses, uh, some who also sold, some who sold on Amazon, some who didn't like testify. We had a lot of our members who wrote testimony and submitted written testimony. I met with a couple of Congress people and just talking to them and you really can tell like they just have no clue about how it really works on Amazon. Um, yeah. I'm dealing with the antitrust committee. So, um, you know, these are fun things to do. I, I just absolutely love. And I have no problem doing that as a volunteer and taking on these cutting edge issues because again, e-commerce is so new, but we do have to pay people like Aaron. We have to pay these lawyers. Like, you know, we all, you know, love, you know, these are cool issues. Not everybody's like me. It's just like, you know, I, I'm happy to do, take on these bigger issues for everybody because maybe one day I'll write a con law book or an e-commerce book. I don't know what I'm going to do, but uh, I love the issues, but we actually have to pay the lawyers because like entrepreneurs that we are, right? Like nobody wants to give product away for free and it's, it's not really fair to ask them to. Uh, so we went ahead and we got uh, with a group of sellers and felt we had enough commitments from, you know, people who were affected by this, uh, people who were interested in this, where we could go ahead and you know start the filing of the lawsuit and immediately we had a member contribute 10 grand like the next day it was, it was amazing um and and really gives me hope because i have a feeling this lawsuit's not going to end and you yep. know we're going to fi file very shortly uh basically with temporary restraining we're going to basically oh. seek very quick relief this is not going to drag on for years this is i mean this, this initial phase is going to be quick where we want to get in a court you know, by what, within the next two weeks, we want to be in a courtroom arguing our lawsuit. I, I, that's awesome. I love it. And um, I mean, you know, someone did donate $10,000. Like, like, I don't think that um, us as sellers realize how powerful we are. You know, collectively, we do, you know, billions in sales on Amazon. Um, you know, 
from small, really small businesses up to the big ones uh, that are doing, you know, hundreds of millions. I, collectively, there's no reason we shouldn't uh, have a voice that is like, uh, just says what it's like to to be on a platform like Amazon and where they're the uh, judge and jury. And, um, I, I, and I'm going to say something to that because my biggest problem is, is resources. It's just that, you know, it is getting small business to understand the value. I mean, I still have people complain to me. I got, you know, they were billed a hundred dollars. Uh, um, I don't know if we still have auto billing turned on. I think for a while we did and then turn it off or I don't know where, where we stand on the auto thing, but anytime somebody wants their money back, they just email me and I get their money back. Like that's always, always been the way right. I, I don't even ask questions. It's like, yep, yeah, here you go. I don't even ask them why I just, it's just, I just, I, you know, I'm always conscious of, of, of public opinion, especially in a situation well, like this. So I, I just don't even make it a thing. Right. But, um, I mean, you've been at this for a while, which I mean, I think engenders a certain degree of trust in, um, in what, in what you've taken on specifically, you know, like sales tax and now with price gouging. Um, I actually have a, a quick, like there are other, you know, very big legal challenges facing Amazon specifically around antitrust, you know, mm-hmm. maybe like um, using private label data uh, and like that's getting some national attention right now. And then there is, um, let's see, maybe even like rules around the buy box as like Amazon, you know, suppress it or they won't even share the buy box with other uh, sellers. Do you ever jump into those issues? Yeah, we actually, we, we, we did submit something. We're not allowed to share it yet, okay. but we did submit something to well, the antitrust um, uh, subcommittee. I, actually, I think one of the first times I connected with you, Paul, we were both quoted on an article in uh, Business Insider. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I actually have a phone call later today with uh, uh, an attorney general from, I think, Washington State about, you know, one specific issue that I mentioned about this, like, buy box suppression. So, um, it's, these are, like, there's a lot of people that are concerned re- regarding this. And, um, I mean, I am. I, I think I think that the marketplace can get better. And so, I can easily get behind um, what the online merchants guild, or as you call it, OMG, um, you're, you're doing. No, I, I appreciate that. I'd love yes. to know more about how that goes because we, you know, and we want members to do that. I mean, sometimes yeah. the most powerful thing is to, you know, like, like you, you talk about our collective power. I mean, it's not just money. Like sometimes when I, when I want to talk to a congressperson, like I wanted to speak to the chair of the, uh, sales tax hearing that I attended to like March 3rd, I think it was right. It was like the right before COVID really went crazy, uh, in this country. And we were all knocked down. So last flight I was on, um, now, I, now, coincidentally, I actually grew up in the same town as that congressman, as the chairperson. It was it was Congressman Kim, Representative Kim from uh, Southern New Jersey. However, I don't live there anymore. My my parents do, but uh, but what I was able to do was to find an OMG member who did live there in his district and say, "Hey, can you reach out to Congressman Kim and let him know that I want to talk to him about something that's interesting to you?" And there you go. I had a private awesome. meeting with him. You know, that's our power. You know, yeah. and that person didn't have to disclose to the public that they were not. They didn't have to do anything. Just had to send them an email. So, our members do stuff like that all the time. I had a Congress call with Representative um, Caston of Illinois uh, two weeks ago, and he's very, you know, he's very interested in the antitrust issue. Um, you know, him, he's worked. He's obviously part of the committee. He's worked with Representative Cicilline 
So, I mean, we have this amazing power. Now, I do want to have lobbyists. I will tell you, I do want to have lobbyists on the ground. Like, we should, as an organization, have a lobbying firm representing our interests on the ground every day, talking to somebody in Congress about what we're facing, just educating Congress about who we are, why we're important to them. We're the voters. I mean, that's nice. Like, we think about it. Like, if we were collectively working together as an organization, if we were, we really kind of got, to, if we get to the critical mass we need to get to, like now we're representing not just money, not just a group of small businesses, but voters, employers in their districts. And that is so important. And that drives some, Amazon can't vote. That's the thing, you know, it's like we do. And it's a powerful thing. So, but you know, lobbying is a 20, minimum $20,000 a month endeavor that we're just not funded to handle at this point at the right. federal level. But I think it is something we need to, to look into uh, as we grow and, and something that, you know, I wish we could be doing right now. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a whole other uh, big conversation. I mean, I, I think it's super interesting what happens in the uh, lobbying space. Uh, if uh, people were wanting to like learn more about the Online Merchants Guild and how to get involved or, you know, just be a part of a community that you've created, what can, what should they, where should they check out? There's a couple places they can go to. Um, you know, first of all, we're looking for leaders. We're, we're open invitation for more leaders, more directors, more officers, people who really want, you know, this advocacy thing, like you're kind of like, if you're kind of like me, like this is like, you're passionate about it. You know, it's, it's like, there's something driving you that's beyond money that like, you just like, this is cool. Um, we want to talk to you. If you like, I can donate some WordPress stuff. Cause we're really cheap. Like our website sucks. Our website <laughs> completely sucks. And I apologize for that. And I don't even know how to do WordPress well enough to put the updates. Like, I'll, I, I, I'm really bad at WordPress. I'm a lawyer. Okay, I'm sorry. But um, if you're good at WordPress, I would love people who, you know, um, those types of volunteers we're looking for. But onlinemerchantskill.org is the website. But I just want people to know, like, like involvement doesn't just mean becoming a member. Like, we're looking for people who want to be vocal, who want to be yeah. involved in the back end. Um, I mean, it's And I can volunteer open. a little bit more to, uh, you know, connect you with other uh, social media um, influencers, you know, there are some that, uh, you know, I've been friends with and I've even had on the podcast who have fairly large audiences. And so, you know, if you ever think of like an issue that you think uh, would resonate or a, a post and, and, you know, you put it together and you ask me to like, to share it, like, I, I mean, I would certainly we, help. We would, we would love that. You know, we would love that if you could, you know, if there's a conference you attend, ask why we're not, we're not speaking. Like, Right. there you know uh, that's I've, I've tried to speak at conferences and they all want me to pay like like what's that big one i'm not going to talk about prosper that, that there's a there's a bit of a rift there because i don't know um because of sales tax and difference of opinions between uh-huh. people at prosper but um but there was another one that another big conference that people attend like uh irce and it's like the the one in hong kong you know like these are conferences that you know we can have people, it doesn't even have to be me. It could be somebody who's already attending the conference, just go up there and speak. You know, one of our members who's, we, we have plenty of members who have no problem being out, out there. We respect the privacy of our members first and foremost because we recognize most yeah. don't. So that's like, that's like crucial. Like people even say to me, hey, I sent, you know, John Smith your way. Did he join? Because I told him to. I'm like, I couldn't even tell you if he did, you know, but thank you for continuing to refer folks to us. But like, I couldn't tell you if he did because I would be violating his confidentiality. Right? Like right. I treat it like attorney-client privilege. And I certainly don't, I don't actually know. Like, obviously I can know who joined. I don't look, I, I don't, I don't want to see that list. Um, I don't want to know who the members are, but we do have a Facebook group, online merchants guild. My Amazon seller sales tax law 
there's actually sort of like an unofficial regathering of many online merchants guild members. Again, we're just not good at the social media. We're not that good at, I'm getting better at MailChimp and just kind of trying to inform our members. It's been a big critique. Um, people who can write content, people who can just kind of write updates for us. If well, that's kind of your thing, you, you know, we would love that help. Some things you're doing are working out right. Cause I see your name. Uh, I see the, uh, the name online merchants guild dropped, you know, on Reddit uh, a time or two. So, you know, you do have, uh, people that are continuing to uh, contribute um, but online merchants guild.com is or dot org sorry dot org, org. org. that that is you know your your center you know your your front page um, and so anyone listening if you want to get involved uh, that's a good spot right there um, yeah. and I, and I really Paul, hope and Paul at Paul at online merchants if you want to email me and ask me okay. any questions Paul at online merchants you just Paul at online merchants.org please, you know, we welcome it. So. Awesome. And I'm just, if, I mean, if you guys want to be more involved specifically with, you know, right now with, with price gouging and that, you know, there is a little bit of a, of a correction uh, on the uh, playing field that, you know, that Amazon sellers can actually say something back to Amazon. So I've, I've always loved that idea and encourage anyone to, to get involved. And, make, and the government really quickly and the government, yeah. because oh, this, oh, is, this, oh, is, this is, this has been a public shaming effort by AGs who are up for reelection, trying to make a name for picking on the little guy again, like sales tax. And we're just, you know, we're not going to take it like this. The one thing about sales tax is tricky is getting it to federal court is very difficult. And I've always been wary about spending member funds and losing on a technicality that has nothing to do with the merits of the case, but whether or not we can even be in federal court. And so we chose a different route by suing the state of California and, and, and that worked out many ways financially better for us anyway, because the lawyers handling that are are working off of uh, fees they tend to recover, not, not, not our money. So it's a beautiful case um, in that respect. Uh, It sounds like president Trump right there, right? That's a beautiful case. It's beautiful. Uh, But, uh, you know, whereas this case, you know, yeah, we have to fund it. Um, it is a civil rights. I mean, it does come under civil rights. So I mean, to the extent we can recover attorney's fees and return money back to the organization so that we didn't have to pay for it, I would love that win. I, I'm not confident we'll get it, but I mean, I'm, I would love to, you know, there's always potential, but you know, we are putting out a substantial amount of money to get this case on, you know, which we did file on last Friday a week ago. And like I said, we're, we're we had a call with the state of Kentucky yesterday to kind of go over you know, where we're going to go from here procedurally and, and be in court. But, um, you know, we, we're tired of it. The government is they're just publicly shaming our members, you know, people who did nothing wrong, did violating laws, you know, saying a lot of these people, a lot of these people were done selling these products in January, February. And, you know, you know, they bought what they could buy at Home Depot and they were done by, you know, like what, what, am I, what an amazing amount of hindsight you have, Mr. Attorney General, to think that, uh, you know, this person in, in January knew that we were all going to be locked up in our houses and schools would be closed uh, by March because I didn't. Um, and, and uh, you know, I'm just, we're just tired of it. So no, it, absolutely. It, is, it is a message back to the it's Amazon and it is also a message back to the AGs. Yep. Yeah. The government. For sure. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And, thank you so um, much. Please uh, reach out. I'll uh, share this uh, when when it goes live. And um, and absolutely, and- I'll, I'll I'll send you some links too, so you can because we have a we also have a GoFundMe for people who really want to be anonymous and just don't want us to know who they are. We 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 have a GoFundMe page that just kind of gen- generic GoFundMe page, but you can I'll send you the link to that too if you want. And you know, for those folks and you know, however people want to join, we'd love you know whatever you know we appreciate it. All right, sounds good. And um, to the audience, make sure uh, if you know anyone else that 
uh, needs this episode, please share this with them. And that's all I've got. Take care. One, two, three. This episode has been produced by LaunchPod Media.